Good morning to each of you. It's good to be here with you this morning. The title of my message is The Most Dangerous Creature. According to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, there are about 3,200 or 3,500 tigers in the world, um, in the wild. And um, that's probably not something you've given a lot of thought. But to bring it a little closer home, uh, it's estimated that there are about 5,000 tigers living in the U.S., in captivity, of course. But um, to make it even more interesting, uh, the World Wildlife Fund estimates that only 6% of those tigers are actually living in accredited zoos. So that means that um, most of these tigers, probably more tigers that are loose in the wild are actually living in private homes as pets. Um, so you might want to ask a few questions before you agree to feed your neighbor's cat for the weekend. Um, some people seem to get a real uh, satisfaction out of having dangerous pets. But the truth is that each of you has something in your home, has a creature in your home that's more dangerous than a tiger, a pit bull, or a venomous snake. And I'm not talking about smartphones or teenagers or anything like that, although that might make a good sermon too. But um, you can turn to James 3 if you would like. And you can probably guess where this is going. James says in chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And so this morning I would like to talk about the tongue. Um, I'd like to look at uh, how we should view the tongue um, what are the dangers? What makes the tongue so dangerous? Why does James talk about it this way? Um, what does an untamed tongue look like? How should we respond uh, to, the, to an untamed tongue? And, and then what can we, what's the positive side? What, what can God do with, with our tongues and make good come out of them? Let's read uh, James chapter 3, and I'll read the whole chapter. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. But when we put bits, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. 
All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So looking at these first several verses, um, James starts out talking about warns against um, presuming to be teachers. And I think what he is saying is that we all make mistakes and those who um, teach others have more opportunity to make mistakes and um, can do more damage perhaps with their mistakes. And so we should not envy uh, those who are instructing others and we should be careful, just be careful with our words because um, we all make mistakes. And if we don't stumble in what we say, then we are perfect. Um, the first section uh, that I would like to look at is, is how we view, how we view the, uh, the tongue and in relation to the heart in particularly. In verses three through six, um, James compares the tongue to a bit in a horse's mouth and a rudder on a ship. Uh, basically, he's saying that the tongue determines the course of our life. Uh, it's like a spark that starts a fire. Um, he says it sets the whole course of our life on fire. So we can maybe understand that, but my mind went to Matthew um, 15, and you can turn there because I'd like to read Jesus' words. And Jesus has a, a little different, um, it seems like a little different take on our words. Matthew 15, verse 10, and I'll read to verse 20. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know what the, that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. 
Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. So Jesus is saying that it's the things that come out of the heart, and uh, it's not just what we say, it's actions and speech that comes from the heart that makes a person unclean. And this is the way I would normally think about it. It's everything comes from the heart, and um, if the heart is bad, then bad will come out. Um, James, he's looking at it a little differently, it almost seems. Um, Clearly, James knows something about horses, but did he get the cart before the horse when he says that the tongue is what steers our life around? Um, There's maybe two ways that we could understand what James is saying. Um, The first reminds me of a story from uh, seventh or eighth grade reading. Uh, There was a wise man who would sit at the front, at the gate to his town, outside his town, and one day a traveler came through and asked him, he said, I've been to many towns, I've seen many people, Um, Can you tell me what kind of people I will find in your town? And the wise man said, well, I I sure can, but can you tell me what kind of people you've met where you've been? And the man said, "Uh, the people I've met are no good. They're um, selfish. They're unkind to travelers. Um, The young people are foolish, and there's nothing to learn from them. And the old people are so depressed about life that uh, they depress everyone they meet and they're just no good. And the old man grew sad and he said, well, you will find these people the same way. And the man kicked the dirt and walked off. Shortly, another man came by and said, can you tell me what people are in this town? I've been to many towns, seen a lot of people, and I'd like to come to your town. I'm curious what kind of people are in your town. And the man said, can you tell me what kind of people you've met on your travels? And the man said, "Um, I've met a lot of great people. They're very kind. They're helpful. Um, They take good care of travelers. Um, Their passion for life is an encouragement. And I've learned so much from the people I've met. And the man smiled and said, well, you will meet the same kind of people here. The simple little story um, has a fairly obvious message. Our outlook and the way we approach people um, in part determines how people will treat us or how they appear to us, but also how they treat us. Um, Are we sour and snappy, uh, cynical and um, sarcastic, or are we friendly and pleasant, encouraging and positive? Um, We will often find people to be the way way we uh, treat them And in that sense, um, our tongue and our words does uh, direct the course of our life somewhat in the way we find life. That could be possibly what James is talking about. He also may be thinking about the tongue as um, just a reliable indicator of 
of the heart and the extent to which a person's heart is under control, the control of the spirit. Um, James was a pretty practical guy, it seems, and he may be just making an observation that um, people who can't control their tongue will um, have a lot of trouble and conflict and will cause a lot of trouble and conflict. And the tongue is, and he, he says this um, at the beginning of the chapter, the tongue is very difficult to control. And so if somebody can control the tongue, with God's help, of course, uh, he is able to control his entire body. So I would kind of like to th us to think about the tongue as an indicator of our heart. And I didn't, I was not thinking about council meeting when I was preparing this, but perhaps it applies. Um, what, what, does our, what do our words and what comes out of our mouth as we think about our life, what does that say about what's in our heart? Um, Jesus was clear that what comes out of our mouth is from the heart. Now, James 3, through, uh, 3 9 through 12, James uh, is addressing what seems to be a problem with his recipients, the recipients of his letter. People were praising God and yet cursing each other. And it's very difficult to separate praise to God and praise for his creation. It says um, they're cursing men who have been made in the likeness of God. Um, to, to praise God and yet curse his creation is like trying to praise a cook while criticizing her food. Um, recently, earlier this year, I was at a meal and we had some tomato soup and after the meal, a lady asked me if I thought the soup was too salty, and I said, yeah, I sure did. That was really salty soup. And it wasn't long after that that I realized she had made the soup, and she thought it was salty too, but she just wondered what other people thought. And I was wishing I had been a little less honest about my opinion of her soup. But um, that's not too serious, but we can't split uh, praise for God and um, praise for, or, or cursing, can't have both. Can't have praise for God and cursing for our brothers. And James compares this to a salty spring and a freshwater spring. And um, we know what happens if we miss, mix salt water with fresh water. It's all bad, it's all salty. And basically what he's saying with this section, I believe, is that if, if there's a mixture coming from our life, um, what's at the root of it, the heart, is not, it's not good. Uh, it's not a freshwater spring if there is salty water coming out of it. Um, some people might call this, um, I've heard the term two-faced. I remember some young people telling me one time that they just really hate two-faced people. Um, they're one way with somebody and then another way with somebody else. And nobody likes people like that. And I don't think God can really handle it when we are that way towards him and then um, praising him but having trouble with our, our brothers. So as we think about um, our words this morning, we're really examining our heart and um, the condition of our heart. 
All right, so why is the tongue so dangerous? Why does James, um, why does he compare the tongue to fire and uh, to wild animals? Uh, why does he say it's so dangerous? And I have three um, ways or reasons that the tongue could be dangerous or can be dangerous. And the first is simply that our words affect other people. Um, we all have many thoughts and our thoughts need to be redeemed, uh, of course. But our thoughts, until they come out as actions or words, are just between us and God. And they don't really affect other people. But when we, when we say things, um, people are affected. Um, it's like, um, I don't know, I think about it as putting a stake in the ground, or it's like uh, something more concrete. When we say something, that's our thoughts at that particular moment. We may change our mind. We may wish we had said something different. But that's what we were thinking at the moment. We let that out, and then that's, it's done. Um, so our thoughts affect people, and it's the basis for our interactions with other human beings. But the fact that our thoughts are more concrete, I mean, our, our uh, words are more concrete than our thoughts uh, also has a good side. Um, that's why confession and testimony are very powerful as well, and we'll talk about that a little more later. So the first... Um, thing that makes our words dangerous, our tongue dangerous, is this, that it, our words affect other people. We can make people laugh. We can make people um, feel better about themselves. We can make people sad. We can make people hurt and offended with our words. The second uh, reason the tongue is, is dangerous is just because once a word is spoken, it can never be recalled. Um, we often hear of politicians trying to walk back comments um, that they weren't thinking through when they said them. Um, but once a, once a word is spoken, um, it can never be taken back, and we can try to minimize the damage that it's done, but um, we can't take it back. We can't undo it. In Proverbs 26, 18 and 19, I believe Solomon says, like a madman shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Um, we can't be casual and careless in our conversation um, without hurting people. Sooner or later, somebody will get hurt when we're throwing careless words around. Um, you may have seen headlines recently about the wildfires in California. Uh, by the beginning of November, I think there were about 75,000 acres that were burned in California. And that sounds really bad, but I was reading that um, by this time last year, there were over 600,000 acres burned. And um, that was even before that campfire, which killed 83 people, I believe. Um, so this year has been much better as far as fires go in California. And part of the reason is that um, some of the power companies out, of the, out there have done these blackouts where they just cut power to a bunch of people um, in an effort to keep faulty electrical equipment from making a spark and starting a fire when the conditions are really dangerous. Um, the Pacific Gas and Electric Company cut power to three million people um, at the end of October. and That made some people angry, but the power company assured them that it was for their own good. Um, I'm sure that the 
the tens of billions of dollars that they'd been paying out in insurance claims were also a strong incentive, but um, whatever the motive for their actions, um, the power company showed one thing, that they really understood the danger of a small spark and what that could do um, in dry, windy conditions. And James tells us to have that same kind of respect for uh, our tongue and for the words that we say. He says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And, and this brings me to my third uh, reason why the tongue is so dangerous. Um, our words have a ripple effect. They have a, it's like a chain reaction. They spread. Um, they can spread because if we're gossiping, um, others can spread our words around. Others pass it on. Um, if we're saying angry words and um, venting our frustration, or especially if we're angry at somebody, uh, it can often result in more angry words, and it's a back and forth. Um, Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir, stir up anger. James and Solomon both use um, fire as an example, uh, as an illustration of words. Uh, it's throughout Proverbs. And I wonder if James wouldn't have used a nuclear reaction if he would have um, been living today. I don't know. But, but the, the picture they give is that words can spread. And once we've said them, they can um, take a life of their own and get out of control. Another way that words have a ripple effect is that um, we as humans are naturally proud and we don't like to be wrong. So sometimes when we've said something, we will try to defend it. Um, if we've said something wrong, perhaps we'll defend it. Uh, when we know better or if we've said something foolish, we might defend it with more foolishness um, just because of our pride. And it can lead us into more and more um, poor, poor uh, words. So that's, this, is, this is why I believe James is so um, strong in his uh, condemnation of the tongue or his warnings about the tongue. Now, thinking about a tongue that's untamed, I'd like to look at gossip and slander just a little bit. Um, and that was apparently a problem here that James was addressing. What is gossip? What is slander? Um, I th think we, we probably know. Gossip is, is telling people what they want to know but really have no business knowing, and often it's just rumor. It's not even true, or we don't know for sure if it's true, but it's an interesting thing to talk about. And slander is harming another person's reputation by the words we use. Um, how should we, how should we respond um, when we, we already talked about coming from our own mouth? Slander um, is not compatible with praising God and having a right relationship with God. When we when we have slander and um, or gossip directed at us or about us, how should we respond? If it's if it's a minor offense. Uh, perhaps we should just let it go. Ecclesiastes 7, 21 through 22 
says this, also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear with lest thou hear thy servant curse thee, for oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. And I don't know what you think of when you think of cursing. Um, I'm thinking of something a little more um, mild, perhaps, uh, than, than cursing. But if, if somebody says something to hurt you, or uh, you overhear something, and it's minor, perhaps it should just be let go. Um, we probably wouldn't want everyone to know every um, thoughtless thing we said about them in private, and um, maybe we should let it go and, uh, and just forgive. If it's something a little more serious, then I think Matthew 18 uh, gives us clear instruction for how to deal with it. Um, and if you remember, that's, that's the three steps where, where we first approach the, the offender and try to reconcile with them. If that doesn't work, we take a brother, and then finally we bring it to the whole congregation if, if we haven't made any progress otherwise. And it's so easy to try to gather support for our, our offenses and what has hurt us before we approach somebody. But, um, and there's a place for that after we've tried, after we've um, tried to reconcile. And if, if we don't have the courage or it doesn't feel like a big enough deal to approach the person who offended us, then we probably just need to drop it. What if we hear slander um, directed at others or gossip? Uh, we, we hear gossip. What do we do with it? Um, what, what is gossip? What is, what is considered gossip and what is just interesting news? Um, what if it's just something about the foolish things that somebody did or their poor choices? Um, I think if we use the golden rule, that will go a long ways toward helping us to know what to do with those kinds of things. Do we want the rest of the church talking about our poor choices or um, something we did? Um, maybe it's not a big deal, but maybe it would be very embarrassing. And um, so how would you feel if, if this was being said about you um, by a group standing over on the other side of the gym uh, after church? Um, I don't know much about black holes, but I know that they're um, allegedly regions of space where um, perhaps a star has collapsed and there's so much mass there and so much gravitational force and attraction that anything that goes into it cannot escape. In fact, light doesn't even come out of it. It's just a black hole. Everything goes in and nothing comes out. Um, perhaps we could learn from black holes in regards to gossip. When we hear something um, negative or something that isn't really worth passing on, we can just keep it to ourselves and um, the gossip can die that way. We're not responsible for every little piece of gossip that we hear, but we are responsible for what we do with it and whether we pass it on or not. Uh, Proverbs 26.20 says, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. And Proverbs 26, 21, as charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. And so 
Gossip will not continue if there's no one to pass it on. And conflict also and hard feelings um, can die down, just like a fire dies down if there's no more fuel um, to keep it going. So maybe that's enough on the negative. Um, let's talk a little bit about what the transformed tongue looks like and how we can use uh, our tongue for good. It's interesting that all of the things that make a tongue, the tongue so dangerous, or many of the things, also make it very powerful for good. Um, we can use our tongue for encouragement and blessing. Uh, and we can affect many people that way. And when we um, build up each other and encourage somebody, then in turn they can encourage somebody else. And, and we can have a good chain reaction, a good fire spreading. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 says, no, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And 1 Peter 3.9, Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Our natural response is corrupt communication. Our natural response is to return evil for evil or insult for insult. Uh, but we've been called to respond with blessing. And we've been called to build each other up. Hopefully, uh, we are not tearing down and starting fires and insulting and passing on gossip and slandering each other. But are we building up? Are we, are we actively encouraging? Um, in the absence of active encouragement, um, some things can go wrong too. Overactive imaginations are I mean, I'm sorry, active imaginations are good, but overactive imaginations um, is a little too much of a good thing. And sometimes in the absence of um, positive communication, we can start thinking that perhaps somebody has a problem with me or maybe they don't approve of the way I'm handling something. Um, probably some of us deal with this more than others. But sometimes a small word of encouragement um, can just put our hearts at ease and feel like we have a good relationship with somebody. And if, if we are constantly um, sharing positive communication and good words of encouragement with each other, we can feel much better about our brothers and sisters. So perhaps we're not tearing down, perhaps we're not starting fires um, and insulting and gossiping, but are we, are we really building up? I said earlier that um, words are kind of like putting our thoughts um, in concrete. It kind of, uh, words are to thoughts kind of what a signed contract might be to a verbal agreement. And in that, they have value in confession and commitment. Um, Jesus said to let our yes be yes and our no, no. If, if our words are... Um, reliable, then we are a reliable person and people can count on, on our words. Um, you could turn to Romans 10. There's a number of verses here about, about words.
Romans 10, verse 10. For it is with your mouth that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So it is, it is with our words that we take, we go beyond thoughts, and we commit to, um, we commit ourselves to God. We admit our failures and, and confess them to God, and, and this is um, how we experience salvation. And if we read a little farther uh, down in verse 14, we see another benefit of, of words used properly, the tongue properly tamed and properly transformed. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And it goes on, but... The tongue, under the control of, of God, gives life-giving truth to those who need to hear it. And so we can encourage and bless each other. Um, with our words, we can confess and we can make commitments that actually mean something. And with a tongue properly tamed, we can share the truth with those who need to hear it. And it can spread and spread just like our words spread when they are not under control of God. So wrapping, wrapping up here, um, our tongues are a little bit like a pet tiger. Um, though, though it may be tamed, it still needs to be respected. Uh, if we do not keep a tight rein on our, on our tongues, our religion is worthless, James says. And so we should always respect the damage that can be done, done with our tongues and, um, and handle them with care. As we look at our tongues and think of them as the indicator of, of what's going on in our heart, what do we see? Um, do we often regret the things we say? Do we often wish we had said things differently? Um, it's probably good that we're thinking about what we're saying, but if we constantly are failing in, in our speech, um, we need to look at our heart, and is our heart really where it ought to be? The tongue is, is powerful, um, powerful for much good and powerful for much evil. What specific ways can we use our tongue for good? Uh, what specific ways can we encourage and bless and build up those around us? Um, I had to think it's a little bit if, like if there was a construction project, um, you know, it would be terrible for someone to run through there and just knock out studs, light fires. Um, it would be very destructive. Um, it would also be very frustrating for someone just to stand around and do nothing to help build uh, the building. Are we, where do we fall? Are we actively working to build up? Are we standing around with our hands in our pockets or are we tearing down? And I'd like to finish up by reading um, again the last few verses in James chapter 3, uh, 13 through 18. Um, this isn't specifically about words, but 
I think it explains a little bit where, where some of James's um, warnings come from. Clearly there was envy and selfish ambition. And if we have this kind of wisdom that James ends up with here in our hearts, then what comes out of our mouths will be the same way. It will be pure. It'll be unmixed with cursing, um, tearing people down, and um, our lives will be full of good fruit. So starting at verse 13 again. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness.'" 